Hey, everybody. This is Derek Marchone on Climbing the Coaching Ladder podcast. Um, for those that don't know, former Division One um, recruiting coordinator for women's basketball, um, was a prep coach, Juco head coach. Kind of got out of the game, so trying to get back involved a little bit. And one of the things that I wanted to do was start a podcast just because I've always had an appreciation for the coaching profession, how people kind of judging from the title, climbing the coaching ladder, just it's a different career. Unless you're in it, you really have trouble understanding it. So decided to start this podcast, get back involved a little bit. Today, have first guest, um, Coach Toon. Um, thanks for coming on today and chatting up with us. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate you having me on here. Um, so kind of just to get started, um, I'll give a little background. So we met when I was actually, I was at Putnam and you were at BC for, and we'll kind of, we'll go through your career a little bit, but we met when you were at BC. Um, and then when you were at Binghamton and you recruited some of my players, so Thanks for hopping on today. Um, just kind of wanted to start and just kind of hear about how you first got into coaching. What made you kind of get into this profession? For sure. You know, I always wanted to coach. Um, I think I knew seventh, eighth grade. That's what I wanted to pursue. Um, grown, I grew up in Indiana, so basketball was a huge part of our life growing up. And I knew there was going to be barriers that would hold you back and it was hard to get into, et cetera. But um, in college, I, I don't think that wall had been broken down yet for me. Uh, and I decided to give it one more go in grad school. So, um, I went to grad school at Louisville and, uh, started off as a GA there. Um, Jeff Walls had, um, allowed me the opportunity to come in and work for free to start. Uh, he had a video coordinator at the time, Devin Paul, uh, was one of my mentors and, um, I would go in and help him in the office, uh, every day. Um, that first year was kind of wild. We went to the final four. And so Devrin got a, a coaching job at Marshall right after that. And that kind of opened a gateway for me to be able to, uh, you know, have an opportunity. So a little bit of luck and just working hard broke the door open. Yeah. So how did you end up at Louisville? Cause like you said, that was a, it's a big time program. And, um, did you, did you play in college at all or? No, wanted to. Uh, things went sideways, you know, how, how stuff goes. Didn't, didn't end up doing it. Wanted a big college experience. So I went to Indiana University, uh, studied psychology there, um, did management as well, just trying to get something that, you know, in case the basketball thing could stay alive, it might, you know, mesh up. But a um, few, few weird things with the Louisville deal. Uh, my dad went to college with, with a lady, uh, Nancy Worley, who's in the administration there within uh, the athletic department. And she kind of gave me some guidance, like my senior year of undergrad. Um, I think I volunteered at a few, like the NCAA tournament stuff for volleyball and men's basketball with her. Um, but she had linked me up actually to start on the men's side. And without going into too much of what happened, um, I moved down there, was supposed to start on a Monday and the weekend prior was told, ain't going to happen anymore. Um, so on a little bit of a scramble, I got a meeting with Jeff uh, through her. And, um, you know, he, he told me later, like he has so many people that ask, hey, I want to help. I want to do this. And they come for three days and he never sees them again. So he was kind of expecting that. But, I, you know, when he let me in, I, I just came, came there every day, just, you know, do whatever they, 
they asked me to do and try to be proactive and finding stuff to, to help them with that maybe they weren't doing. Yeah. What, how eye opening was it kind of walking into that program and just, you hadn't been around um, a college program like that. And then that's your first dose of um, college basketball and women's basketball. Yeah. Crazy. And high level, right? And I, I think the thing that was really wild with Jeff especially is like how he – I mean, he's a master at like everything he does, whether it's the basketball part, the managing, the recruiting, et cetera. Like his mind's just a little different. He's always trying to come up with some some uh, creative way to do things. But with basketball in particular, um, it was just at such a high level. Like it probably took me a few months. He would be talking about stuff or stop and play during practice. I'm like, what is this dude talking about, man? Like I, I'm not seeing it. But I think the cool thing in doing that was in working for him for three or four years there, I could anticipate what his mind was going to think, right? And and kind of knowing that system, like, um, I mean, every day there is a is a grind year round. I mean, recruiting, um, there's pressure to win, and he's still chasing. I know they've gone to I think what two Final Fours since I've left, but still chasing that championship. So it, it's day in and day out there. Yeah, it, you're saying interesting things. I remember, was it two years ago that he said he everyone thought they should be starting and he made it, he put all the names in the hat, shook it up, and said he picked the starting five that way. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I've always admired his program and even what it was to what it is now. Um, I think he's built it the right way. And, I mean, he's put fans in the seats there. Um, and every year now, they're kind of at that level of – competing for final fours and national championships. Mm -hmm. I think they'll eventually get one. So after Louisville, kind of what was your next step in your career? So one summer after, um, I think it was the 15-16 season, um, one of his former assistants at Louisville, Beth Ann Ord, called him and was looking for an assistant. And uh, he talked to me about it in the office. And um, I, I remember initially, because – it was at Weber state in Utah and I'd never been out West. I'd never been to Utah. I was like, I'm, I'm not going out there. Like that's really far away from home. And I think the thing that was cool is, you know, he said, you know, just go home and think about it, um, research it, try to fit, you know, talk to her at least. And kind of gave me that space to do that. And, and when I did, I came to the same answer. Like, I'm not going out there. And, um, after talking to him again, he was like, man, I'm just telling you as a guy in this thing, like in women's basketball at 26, what, however old I was, he's like, you're crazy if you don't do this. Like, um, you know, opportunities don't, you know, come and go like that too frequently. So I went out on an interview, um, really loved it out there. Like I was just amazed by the mountains and the school, Beth Ann, Devin, everybody that was working there and um, fell in love with the place. Um, ended up being there for three years and kind of circular thing. So that first year, well, they, they hadn't been winning too much. And uh, that first year we had the best season in their program history. And on that staff was um, JD Gustin, myself and Devin were assistants. And JD is actually who I work for now in Southern Utah, uh, Utah Tech. No, that's awesome. Um, so kind of what was it, what was it like being an assistant coach? Cause you went from video coordinator, correct? To then assistant coach, like you're watching. Cause now I think there's a rule that 
so you can have, and maybe it's just a men's side, you can have like that fourth person on the court. Um, but back then it was like, the rules were the rules, only the four coaches on the court, unless you're a grad assistant. And so now you're the video coordinator. Now you're kind of moving into that on the court spot. What was that like? And on the road recruiting. So for sure. So Jeff did a really good job of um, allowing us all kind of, he didn't micromanage us. He allowed us to grow. Um, he was, you know, if you had ideas, you could present them. Uh, really tried to push you towards, you know, he would talk to everybody on his staff at, hey, when you're a head coach, he wants to prepare you as such. Whether we are in compliance meetings, recruiting meetings with him, blah, 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 practice sessions, um, I, w- I soaked everything up. And obviously being fresh to it, I felt comfortable with the whole routine of scouts, practice, all that. I think the one thing that did make me nervous at start was recruiting. Like I had been around these people, but I hadn't gone through that process, talking to kids on the phone or, you know, getting a kid signed, et cetera. Um, and I remember that first year at Weber State, I was just like, if, if I had, you know, umpteen job responsibilities, that was the one like every day I hit hard, like in the morning and the afternoon at night, I was on the phone all the time. And I, w- I just wasn't going to let that slip because I knew, you know, she needed good players. Um, but right before I'd gone out there, uh, Jeff got involved with USA basketball. And so that, that happened during the time that the recruiting events would be. So I actually, that last summer got to go out for Louisville and watch the event. So it kind of gave me a, you know, a little precursor to, at least evaluating on the road and what the follow-up would be like on the back end. And that, that allowed me to kind of roll in with, uh, to Utah with some uh, relationships. Yeah. And I always thought that that was a little being on the road and I have buddies on the men's side that have been Dobos. Like they're, it's so hard on the men's side um, to kind of move from that Dobo to, you see it on the women's side, the kind of Dobo to assistant. Those, those get bumped a lot, but on the men's side, it's all about relationships. Really recruiting is like a totally different level than at least what I felt like I dealt with at the divisional level. But it's, I always thought it was a little overblown of like on these younger assistant coaches, it's like you're on the road for the first time. You're on the road for the first time. It's such a big deal. Like you, and really you're just sitting there watching okay basketball for like 12 hours and yeah it's just it's it's not rocket science and I think a lot of the time it's for younger assistants my best advice that I would always give is like just make your schedule go and watch games trust your eyes do you have someone you feel strongly about present them and push like your coach does not need somebody that says oh yeah I think if your head coach says I think this player is really good and you're just going to say yes every time like mm-hmm. your head coach is a head coach, but they're not always right. You need to be able to um, kind of push back and trust evaluations. And I just think with the only thing that you ever see with younger assistants is like being on the phone or talking to just they're sitting there with their friends the whole time. And I'm a talker, but at the same time, it's you got you're there to work and it's long days, so you got to enjoy it too. But I yep. thought that step in a career was always a, a little overblown. Um, when it came to like evaluating in July. Yeah, I agree. And having like work East coast, West coast, all over the place, like go. And I think even if you worked in one location, going to the, the event, you eval kids, if you're really locked in, you're going to end up knowing everybody that can play college basketball for the most part. Right. And have a really good feel on it. I, I agree w- with what you're saying, especially like the mid major level, our reach isn't as big, right? May you may be able to find a kid that's way far away that has a connector 
but for the most part, it's regional or, you know, just trying to find that why um, as to why they would come to the school. And um, I think that was a little different than Louisville being a national, you know, recruiter year in and year out, but I'm with you. Yeah. And that was, and actually I thought my, the, the point in my career where I knew the most players was when I was a high school coach. Like those are my best evaluations. I coached against them. I saw them constantly. Like, and I forget who I was out this before I got out of the business and I was out um, in May. Someone asked me, they they're like, what do you think now? Like you were around these kids a ton as a high school coach and now you're watching them just from a different point of view. It's like, what do you, what did you think your evaluations? And I was like, my evaluations as a high school coach were spot on. Like you see those kids so much with the NCAA mm-hmm. as a division one coach, you're kind of limited. Um, but as a high school coach, like I remember I coached against Olivia Miles three or four times. And the fact that she was like, I think people had her ranked like eighth. I was like, there's no, like you see, I coached against her, Aaliyah Boston. I'm like, these kids are different. There's, I don't care who you're saying, like Olivia Miles and Aaliyah Boston are just like, they're pros. Like they're, there's something about them that they just kind of carry themselves and that's where i think the differences and level of basketball those kids and then the kids going to like mid-major level um, still a huge huge um, gap um so from weber state you were there for three years kind of um i know the answer to that but could you kind of talk from weber to kind of your next couple steps yeah so uh last year at weber we had a good season um but uh, you know, as this thing is a business, like contracts were getting towards the end and just felt like based on what we knew, um, looking at something new would probably be advantageous. And so we kind of had that conversation as a staff and, um, Beth Ann was, was, is from New York. Um, she had to always kind of looked back that way, but she wasn't quite sure what she was going to do. And so in the off season, I, um, AJ, who was a practice player and helped me in the video room at Louisville. He had gotten um, on staff with uh, Joanna, who was down at Pikeville at the time in Kentucky, and then went to Albany and got the job at BC. Our connector there, when they got hired at BC, um, I went out to be a video coordinator for them. Um, And then, you know, I was there a real short time, and um, that wasn't the plan. You know, we had kind of discussed that – because it, it was going to be hard. I felt, you know, working up that ladder, trying to get to a coaching position and then going back to video where I started out. Um, I wanted to be on the court and, you know, be able to interact with the kids in that manner. Um, I thought it would be difficult, but I thought I could do it for a few years. But um, I think, you know, relatively quickly, I, I, I was finding that there was just something missing. I just wasn't sparked up. Um, it, the job I won't say is easy, but it just was monotonous to me and uh, wasn't challenging uh, upstairs, I guess. And so I, I left after a few months and uh, Beth Ann actually had gotten a job at Binghamton in New York, close to where she's from. And she talked me into coming back there. Um, so I was with her there. Uh, we had a g- good season there starting up that program. Um, good group of kids. They were uh, They were fun to work with. You had a great staff there too. Yeah, first year, it was you, Shanaker, who's killing it at URI. 
Um, and who is, who is the third assistant? Devin, Devin that worked with us at Weber state. So Devin and Beth Ann, they've, they, Devin's been with her the entire time. Her, uh, she, since she left, they both left Louisville at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. and then Devin was like family with, for me out there at Weber state, same with Beth Ann. So yeah, great staff. Um, us three had worked together previously. Shanaker's father knew Beth Ann, so it integrated seamlessly. And, uh, we had Kike who played at Georgetown. She was our Dobo, uh, it w- it was a good group. It was fun. Yeah, that really makes it when you have a when you have a close knit group like that, especially as a staff, and you're around each other, and it's competitive, and that that type of situation really just makes it really enjoyable. Like when no you problem. have a staff that that's close, um, and you guys, um, what was and when you so when you guys got to Binghamton, you were taking over a program that had done fairly well. What was it like taking that program over coming in as a new coaching staff and inheriting those types of players? I think it was, it was tough in two ways without getting too into it. Right. On one end um, with that success they had had on the court, they had, I think it was like Patrick Ewing's niece or something like uh, Elizabeth James, something like that. She had graduated big time kid, a uh, center. Um, so we were without her. But we had a player, Kai Moon, who was a returner, who was pretty good with a lot of really good players around her. Um, I think that the the change in uh, system, offense and defense, initially was just like a shockwave, right? Like they're like, what are we doing? You know, like used to maybe running some motion and some sets where this is going into kind of some dribble drive stuff and a lot of Louisville quick hitters that we had run in the past. So that initially was kind of tough. I think when we got there, though, the toughest thing was these kids were not – they just they're, – they're kind of worn down. Um, I think, you know, for me, those first three, four months was just spent trying to build relationships with them and try to get their confidence and their self-esteem back up, um, trying to build a good environment for them. And I think that's something that um, with the people I've worked for, we've always done and helped, you know, took pride in. But – um, seemed to me that that first season, I was only there for that season. Um, that was our, those were our two major hurdles. Yeah. And I give, I give Beth Dana a lot of credit. I mean, she's recruited my kids. I've coached against her now. And I know people that work at Binghamton in the athletic department and athletics, it goes one way. They either, <laughs> they either hate you or they love you. And, um, the people I know at Binghamton speak really highly of her, which mm-hmm. you, and you just don't always hear that, especially with a head coach. And it's just a weird dynamic of people not involved. Like they're in athletics, but they're not in that competitive, like coaching environment. And the people like I've heard nothing but great things about her and just how she deals with her players and cares for them. And of course my interactions have always been really good with her too. So yeah, she's going to treat everybody like family, players, staff. I talk to her every week still, like just, you know, her and her husband, Jim, really great people. Yeah, so you said you were only there for one year. Um, where did you end up moving on to after there? So that the off season after that, um, Samantha Williams, who I worked with, she was an assistant coach at the time I was at Louisville. Um, she got hired as the head coach at Eastern Kentucky, which is only about three hours from where I'm from. So my, my wife uh, and I, uh, she, my wife's from Ohio, and she actually went to Eastern Kentucky. So there was just this pull for us. It wasn't something that we were anticipating. 
Um, but we had been away from home for a while. Um, so we went back now that was a tough gig, man. Like we, uh, we walked into a program maybe with four scholarship players. Um, they had gone, they hadn't won a division one game the year before we got, there. it was a, a major rebuild and it was messy. Um, that was, I, you know, we, we did have a good turnaround that first year. I think it was the be, you know, top, a top five turnaround in the NCAA, but I mean, it took everything to, to do that. Like whether it was recruiting or just getting these kids on board or just the management of them, um, good kids, but it, it was tough. What do you think you guys were able to do to kind of get that turnaround started? What was the, what was the difference between before and just kind of what you guys were able to do? Some that stems with everybody that like, you can't work for Jeff and not have a strong work ethic. Right. Yeah. That's not, that's going to be with everything. So, you know, recruiting, like no joke, like we were chasing anything and everything we could getting kids on campus, et cetera. Uh, We, transfers um initially i we brought in probably like eight players in in front in that first summer we were there um and that continued um skill development just inputting everything like there was just no box left unchecked uh we knew we knew the long road ahead of us and we were there like all the time so um it was just a grind you know grind until we could get it try trying to be you know at, at a floating level yeah. Um, and just kind of, so you were there for, you were there for three years. Um, right. I know coach, coach had ended up leaving. You ended up staying there. Um, and so then what kind of ended up leading you to where you are now? Yeah, that was tough too. So Sam, after our second year, I think it was, she went to Tennessee. Um, and then Greg Todd was hired as a, the head coach at EKU and he was an alum of EKU. Um, he kept me on good people, um, enjoyed working there with them. Um, I think for me, for what had kind of transpired at EKU, it was just time for something new. Um, and I think it was fair on my side. It was, it was fair to everybody, right? Like I needed a little bit of a spark too. And, um, JD called me here at Utah Tech, and um, obviously, since we had worked together, remained you know in communication quite a bit. And um, my wife and I met here in Utah, so this is a place that kind of pulled at us, and we hadn't been back for a while. And um, as soon as he called, I knew like first conversation that's what I wanted to do. That like I was gung ho about mm-hmm. it. Um, they've got a ton of stuff going on here, man. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, because they they used to be Dixie State, correct? Right. Yep. Which I know on the men's side they were like Final Four, national title type, Division Two level. Um, and so when you told me you were going there, I was like, wait a second, I've never heard of that. And then I remember looking it up. I was like, oh, like they were. I knew I knew on the men's side they were legit. So I never knew much about the women's team there. But um, how's it been there so far? Awesome, man. Loving it. It's a, and like you said, it's, it's kind of, it's skyrocketed. I, they started as Juco way back in the day, went to the division two level for a while. And with the name change, the rebrand, there's a ton of building on campus. Like St. George itself is a huge growing place. I think it's in the top five of the fast growing cities in, in the United States. So there's a lot going on here, a lot to do with the national parks and stuff. And, um, 
JD, uh, he's, this is, I think, going in, this is his eighth season, seventh or eighth season. So he's established here. Um, he's kind of, you know, they've switched conferences on him three times, switched levels. Obviously, there's been a lot of that adversity. But he's got a really cool offensive system. They, we play five out, uh, can really score that thing. And um, the kids here are awesome. So it, like, they take pride in the program. Uh, and they come into work every day, but they're just really, they're fun to be, be around as well. Yeah. So how long has the transition, how long have they been in the transition from division two to division one? I think the first year was the pandemic year, which I think 2021. So you got four years on that. I think it expires in 24. So some of these kids are kids that have been recruited for the division one level, um, but also probably a few left from kind of being at that division two level. Yeah, in a, in a in a way, yeah. you know, I think they committed to coming here, um, playing Division two ball, knowing that they were going to get to play Division one ball, which was huge, right, for them to make that commitment. But as far as the kids that are on the team, they're Division one kids. Um, we've got some some kids a lot of people would want. So. Oh yeah, yeah, and I I mean I'm I'll be the first one to tell you I think that's so overblown. I mean, mm -hmm. in the Northeast, you have the NE ten and. You have Bentley, Stonehills now Division One. Um, all those schools, like we scrimmage them at UNH. They're, they have kids that we would have recruited or wanted, and it's just it's a, it's it depends on the program, it depends on the kid, and it's really whatever the head the head coach at that program is going to make it whatever they want to make it. They're not looking at what level it is. They're trying to successful coaches are trying to build it to be the best program that that can be with and whoever they play against, that's the level they're going to be. So I yeah. think, I think that's pretty overblown. And I mean, just watching a few of your games this year, um, you guys are doing a fantastic job. Definitely fun to watch. You did, you put up, how many points are you guys averaging? 89 right now, man. Don't jinx where, it. Where, where's that in the country? What's that rank? I think I just did this the other day. Uh, I think it's 10. And then that's a, good that's a good recruiting tool. I mean, who doesn't want to play in that type of. Yeah. If you can fire some threes up, you can play. Like, that's <laughs> thing, man. These kids are system fit kids for what JD does. So they thrive in it, man. It's fun. Um, it, it, you know, we've got, we've had two power five games in these first, you know, five and, our kids have battled back, you know, keep it single digits within those games. So it, it's been fun. Yeah. So kind of just the next, I know you kind of just went through your career. Um, and one of the questions I wanted to ask, because I know I've, I've known your story and I've appreciated it because you've had, you worked for a lot of different people and you've gone through a lot of different kind of head coaches. I mean, um, and areas that you lived in. And what's been the toughest part of your career, like that moment where you're kind of just like, this is a lot, and um, is this really something kind of I want to do? Like, have you ever gotten to that point? A little bit. I think, you know, going from, you know, at Louisville, Weber State, while I was there, we were winning. Um, going to a, a rebuild where that's really rough and just having some adversity with coaching changes got there a little bit, right? Um, and I think the thing that kind of helped me at that time was it was back home for me, right? So I was close to family and stuff. I, I think the, the hardest thing about this career is just the time commitment. 
and how much you're you're giving of yourself to other people and to other people outside your family. And it takes you away from from the ones you want to spend that time with sometimes. Um, but, you know, there are benefits to it, too, uh, and things that we all get to do together. Yeah, and I think the hardest part for me and kind of what I would try and tell people is, and even I would try and tell our players, is like, you don't understand, you don't understand how much work and time, like your, your head coach, your other assistant, whoever you're mad at right now, you don't understand how much work and time and effort they're putting into you. And even just like, not even work, just like thought of like, is this kid okay? Like, what can I do to help them? Are they mentally okay? Like, there's so much thought and care that goes into players, just welfare. Mm -hmm. And I think coaches a lot of time get a bad rap of either people think they're using them for winning. They don't care about them as players if they're not playing them. I mean, you see it all now with parents and high school AAU coaches trying to get involved, not understanding stuff. But for me, I just, I've always, I've always had a, soft spot for coaches especially coaches that work because you just don't people don't understand just the emotional like wear and tear comes down on coaches and COVID was tough and just not for people forget that coaches had to go through the same stuff the players went through our first year at UNH and we were lucky you New Hampshire did a fantastic job with COVID like I would say one of the best um we tested three times a week like we did, UNH did everything they could to make sure we were safe. Wasn't that crazy? Kid, that that was that's nuts. Thinking back on that, I it's like not real. Like I just and then my two years at the visual level were during COVID, and I just I sometimes I think about just this year is like I don't even think about it anymore. Mm-hmm. And for two years, my life revolved around it. Um, and I just think for coaches, a lot of times just get a bad rap and. Just, don't players when they grow up they realize it um or they're gone whatever happens they transfer they think they're going somewhere else that's going to be better than they realize oh that coach actually cared about me a lot more Mm -hmm. so i totally get what you're saying with that and having a strong support system at home definitely makes that easier and i also think sometimes it can make things a little difficult i've always done well being away um and kind of just being able to focus on my career um, was kind of something that helped me. Um, and so you've worked for a, you've been a part of some successful programs too. Like, what is it, what stands out like with the head coaches that you've worked for that are successful that, what do you think it is that makes them that? I think a little bit ties into what you were just speaking to is that the kids, you know, there's a transparency and a relationship built to where the kids know where they stand and what's expected of them. Um, I think that, you know, when we've had really good years, we've built confidence in kids and and gotten them to achieve things that they probably didn't think they could, or as a group, we're maybe an underdog in, in doing. Um, and then, you know, I just think that, I think everybody I've worked for, and I think this is all of us, right. For the most part, but just the competitive drive, like that can come out in different ways, but for the ones that I've work for that do it well. Um, they have a good way of managing that and managing how it's uh, communicated to the group. Yeah, and I think having been a head coach, there's the one thing I never wanted my players to think about me was that I was a liar 
or I like I rather they know they're going to come in my office they're not going to like what I have to say but they at least know and they know what to expect from me and I think that's a lot of the times kids biggest issues is they don't they just want to know like kids people um they create structure whether they want to admit it or not I always thought that as long as they know what they're getting from you and they know that you care you can you can coach them however you want uh, people do people go over the top absolutely but um i just think when you get the most out of players when they know what they're what they need to do for you and if you love them and care about them as people i think that's to me that's always been the most important thing no doubt um and I also think just for head coaches, you can't be afraid of conflict. Like you have to, you can't seek it all the time. That was as a young coach, that was kind of a difficult thing. Is like you're so ready to be a head coach and run things the right way, but you also, you can't be afraid of conflict. You sometimes have to face it and deal with it. Um, so what, what's been the toughest kind of decision you've had to make in your career? Because I know you kind of go going through your story, you touched on a few, but what's been the toughest decision you've had to make? I think the toughest one was um, when I went from Weber State to BC, going from that coaching and a winning season, like we won 21 games, something like that, that year, to just kind of seeing where things lay and going to that video role. Um, I think I ended, you know, I don't know, mistake, whatever you want to call it, but. Um, I really battled with that for a long time before making the decision. And um, I felt I was making the right one. And I don't, I don't know that I did. Yeah. And I think there's so much that goes into it too. I mean, money level location, like there's so much that goes into people's decisions with recruit, like with coaching positions and um, yeah, you, I mean, you just kind of learn from it and, you know, next time, I mean, you wouldn't make that, <laughs> you probably wouldn't make that call again, but it's just one of those things where um, those decisions, those decisions, especially career-wise career -wise in this type of profession where you're not guaranteed that next job. Um, I remember, like, I always thought, like, oh, once I have Division One experience, like, I'm, I'm good. Um, that will open a lot more doors. And to be honest with you, like, the way things are right now, um, and kind of the advice that Jeff Walls gave you um, as a male in this profession, it's not um, that path is always different. You kind of just got to take a job and make it the best and um, go from there. Yeah. Um, so, and you, so I kind of, the next thing I want to jump in is, so you've lived in a lot of different areas too. What, what was the toughest area to live in? And what was your favorite area to live in? Ooh, um, I, well, this is my favorite area for sure. Uh, we're about an hour and a half, hour 45 from Vegas, so we can still get to a big city. Um, but St. George isn't, it's not real small, uh, nothing too big, but um, we've got everything we need. And it's just that if you walk out here and see these mountains around and everything, it's wild. Like I didn't grow up with that. So I love it. Um, we got good weather, palm trees year round too. So it's fun. But we're a toughest place. Let's uh, so Louisville, Boston College, those were big cities, so that was cool. Weber was just north of Salt Lake. I would say Richmond out of the places I've been just because it's a, it's a rural place. I didn't grow up in a rural environment. Uh, people were different than I was used to. 
um, it was just kind of country, you know, um, and being from a city, it was just um, polar opposite to, to w what I'm used to uh, being around. What did you think of Binghamton? Um, you know, I liked it. The only thing, the only, th I was just in the gym all the time, man. The, when I was there, the only thing that was tough was like the sun didn't come out. But so it's gray. Yeah. Like, I remember like third week in the gym, there's a group of kids we're shooting or whatever. And they're like, coach, like, you are you ready? And I was like, ready for what? They were like, seasonal depression's coming. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> they're like, no, it's a real thing here. Like, you ain't going to see the sun until next summer. And I was like, what? And it, they, were, they weren't lying. So. Yeah, I always, um, our staff at UNH always made fun of me because I loved Binghamton. I don't know. It's just like one of those upstate, like older cities. Like it was definitely thriving at one point and then it definitely took a little bit of a downturn. But it seems like they're doing more with the city now. But I mean, the campus and just the facilities there, they've done, it's been amazing. Did they draw? Um, I remember we were, we played there last year as their senior night and they had, they had the thing behind the, um, it's like the booster seats behind, um, behind the basket, and it's filled. Like mm -hmm. everyone is having a beer and popcorn and food before, and like not families, it's all supporters. Um, so I always, I always like appreciated that of just like how well they drew and they get good crowds. I mean, they draw like I would say over a thousand people sure. a game. Yeah, they had a really good following, and the community is really engaged. I think, like you said, school's nice. I like the downtown area with the restaurants and everything, and. We lived in Owego, so we would drive out to uh, – where is um, Cornell? Is it Cornell that's up there? Where is that at? Um, I'm trying to think. Just Cornell is Ithaca? I, I should know this. I'm from New York. But. Yeah, Ithaca, right? So that was like 30 minutes from my house that I lived at. So like the farmer's market and everything up there, we love going up there, the, the orchards in the fall and stuff. It was cool. Yeah, especially during the fall – summertime it's a beautiful area but like you're saying um tough tough place to live in the winter yeah man. Um, that's for sure and just kind of tying off on that is what what's the best advice that you give to people that tell you they want to coach or just are thinking about getting into coaching when it comes to their careers i think um i mean probably cliche stuff but for me it rang true i I would, I would, I just wouldn't let it no mean no, right? Like you're going to hear 500 of them before you get a yes. That's what happened for me. And literally was probably at like the last few weeks of trying. Um, be aggressive. I think that like oftentimes, like there's a right way to be aggressive, right? And people will respect that. I think a lot of times we shy away. Uh, we're scared of rejection, whatever that is, but um, if you really put your feelings out there, put what you want out there, uh, eventually somebody's going to allow you the opportunity to at least work for free. And then from that point, it's what you make of it. But uh, not to shy – like if somebody wants to coach, don't shy away from it. Even if it's hard to get into, just go chase it there. Yeah, and I mean my progression of starting as an assistant, I didn't play in college. I, towards the end of college, I knew I wanted to coach. I was very similar to you. Like once I was in college – I was like, I know what I want to do. Like I started as architecture and I was like, this is not for me. Uh, yep. So I switched my major and I started coaching like my high school summer league and everything. And I worked for a few recruiting services on the men's side. And that just opened up my eyes to so many things. It was actually the reason I got the Putnam job because the guy that runs New England recruiting report was an ESPN recruiting analyst. 
um, was really well connected in the prep school side. Um, and he knew the AD and men's head coach at Putnam. So like you said, I worked for him for free. I drove all over New England. Um, even when he threw me like 50 bucks, I was like, oh, this is like a million dollars. Like I'm, I'm just watching basketball. I'm like, I can talk to these people. Like I thought it was the best thing ever. Um, and then I took a job and I moved down to Georgian court, um, working for Yasmina Perazic, um, women's basketball hall of famer, Olympian. Um, she took over the program there. And I mean, I was spoiled. Like the, her first, she was, I worked for two head coaches in eight years and she was amazing. Like, and it, like you said, just like prepared, similar to like Walls is just like that mentality. Like there's people that when people are, you're around people that are great. Like there's just something different about them. And she pushed people and she knew how to press the right buttons with people. And I took that job for a stipend. I worked multiple jobs, like, and kind of just, you have to do what you got to do. Um, and I think a lot of the times, and I've always been, I like your opinion on it too. I mean, you see a lot of people now like would know, and I'm not, there's a different stream playing in the WNBA. I want to be clear. Like if you were, if you've been a pro for 10 years and you step in to division one job, like I understand that. Um, but now you're seeing a little bit more people like fresh out of playing, getting division one assistant jobs. And there's always a certain, there's always kind of the right person for that. Um, and a lot of times it's a good decision, but I think there's something that goes for people that's had to kind of work their way up um, just at different levels, different positions before they get that job that there's only what a thousand of them. Like right. they're the best jobs in the country. Like there's so many people deserving of it. So um, yeah. I kind of would like your opinion on it, just like how you think like career progression. And yeah, I think like with what you're touching on, the dynamic of whatever the group they, you know, that staff has at the time is going to be what influences the decision they make in hiring, right? If they need somebody who's really been in the trenches and knows how to do everything, they're going to go out and find somebody who's gone up that ladder. But if they already have that, you know, they may have somebody that's been within their program that can go out and recruit to it. Um, I think something that when you were talking that kind of jogged my mind is just talking to a lot of young people trying to get in or, that have recently got in. Um, I think one thing you got to kind of be careful of is, and I, and I was almost the same way with the Weber State story, right? Is just being picky about where you're trying to go. Um, opportunities can be everywhere. And, you know, if we set a parameter that's this big, a lot of times you're not going to be able to find something within it, but just being open-minded to everything, you know? Yeah, and even with Putnam, like Putnam, taking the Putnam job, building it there gave me so many opportunities. And if I, and multiple people told me not to take that job. Um, the school had been shut down. They only had 18 kids in the school. They were just known for men's basketball and like they're a factory and that was that. Um, not what it was. It was actually great people. I love the position. But like if I never took that job, I like don't know where my career would have went because it just allowed me to network and meet so many people. And it's just like, I didn't look down at it as a high school job. I looked at it as like, I'm the head coach of my own college. I turned it into my own college program. That's in my eyes what I turned it into. And I think a lot of times younger coaches are kind of afraid to take that risk jump of, Oh, I don't want to be a high school coach or oh, I'm prep school coach or Juco. Like being a head coach is being a head coach. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I just think like you, you just touched on it perfectly is you can't make it like this little dot. You have to be kind of willing to take that jump, move out of your comfort zone a little bit. Um, yeah. If you want like hardest job, like may give you the, the best experience. I remember watching you at practice, like you were getting to do everything, man, like running it the way you wanted to do it, experiment with it. It was, I like watching your guys practices. Like we took a few things back, you know? So I think you got to be open to everything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so kind of now I just want to get into a little bit of lifestyle recruiting type um, stuff. So what's your favorite, what's your favorite place to go recruiting? And cause you've been, I mean, now you've been Utah, Kentucky, New York. Those are your kind of your three places you've been and just geographically, like what's been your favorite place to go recruiting? You mean like tournaments and stuff or just in, anything? Um, I would say anything. We'll get into tournaments too, but um, just like anything, best area to go recruiting. Mm, for me, on on one side of it, for me, it's been Texas. Like I think since I was in at Weber State, every year we've signed a kid from Texas, and um, there's just a lot of talent down there. There's not enough schools. Just one of those states. I like Dallas. Um, I think the basketball around Dallas is awesome. Kids are built a little different. So I always enjoy going down there as far as like fun, like a little different. Like to me, when I recruited in New York was a little different, like going to high school games in the city, like that, that was mind blowing to me. Just the lifestyle, like the seeing the schools that these kids are going to and just it was way different than I, what I went to. Right. So that was just kind of fun to go to a go to a gym in Queens or something, just catch a game. Yeah, you go to like the Rose Classic stuff and you're in uh you're in uh, where is it Brooklyn? You're in Brooklyn, and that those are my favorite places to go. It's just like you see all different kinds of people. Like it's just different, but it was so much fun, and that was always my favorite part about recruiting was just going different places and talking to people at these schools through some random person just walks up to you and wants to talk to you, and yeah. like that was always my favorite part, um, being out on the road. And what's your favorite place in July to go to? Um, I like Chicago and, uh, the, I like the PBR event down in Dallas. Uh, the I've Super never Super been to the, actually never been to Dallas. Chicago is fun. Um, where else? Indianapolis. Indianapolis was just a weird city to me. It's yeah, built so, up. That's where I'm from. So you better be careful, but <laughs> I, I like to say, I mean, it's, it's a cool city. I love that the Colts play right in the city. Um, you have the convention center there. You have all these hotels, but then it's, you can hear a pin drop at night. Um, Nobody lives down there, right? Yeah, and I and I laugh too because you're driving and they they built the city up. It's a beautiful city, but then you drive fifty feet down the road and there's just neighborhoods with like ranches and it's flat. Yeah. Um, but Indianapolis, I like just because it's there's so much there's so many there's always so many tournaments right there. You could see a bunch of different teams at once. I'm trying to think of where else I like to go to. Spooky Nook, I mean, convenience-wise for a college coach, Spooky Nook is probably the best one. That's kind of why I like Chicago, too, because you get to do the Chicago thing. That's close to home for me. But for a mid-major school, like, you can see a ton of kids, budget-wise, et cetera, uh, like Spooky. You know, you, you can just knock out a lot. It's not a smaller-time thing. Yeah. And they did they end up changing the recruiting calendar? A little bit. So trying to think, man, it's been a minute thinking through that. But in the summer, 
I think they're taking a moving some days around, taking some days away, something like that. So it's going to be interesting how these tournaments all line up. Yeah, because a lot of people want to run stuff now, and it's kind of people have started to make that their business. And I'm just interested to see like when coaches can only be so many places, and there's only so much money. I mean, it's it's gotten so expensive. That's what people don't realize even just the budgets that we're trying to us coaches are trying to manage and get to see everybody and it's like you do I see this kid who I love or we have this committed kid that we need to see. Um there's a lot of stuff that goes into that as well. So the calendar definitely has a huge impact on that. Mm-hmm. Um for sure. And then so kind of just the last thing, um just kind of like you use this moment to just kind of like sell Tell so where you're working right now, your program, um, little pitch, yeah, um, for your head coach and program, and what Utah Tech has to offer. Yeah, no, man. If 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 you if anybody can catch a game, it would be fun to watch. JD does a great job. That, like we were talking about the offense, man. Like it's not going to be a dry night. You know, we're going to throw up a lot of threes, play five out. Um, kids are competitive, so. In these first five games, I think we've shown that to everybody. Uh, we're hoping that we can continue it here into the conference play. But um, St. George, Utah Tech, what we've got going on with the women's team, it's all really good stuff. So it may not be familiar, um, but I'll look into it. If you're ever in St. George, too, going through Utah, man, it's a place to stop by. You said an hour and a half hour and a half from Vegas? Yeah, right, uh, right on the southwest uh, border. Is that where you guys fly in and out of? Sometimes. We have an airport here. So, like, trying to think of a comparison. But um, St. George isn't small. So, you know, we get, like, American Delta that come in here. Um, they're expanding the airport. That uh, Google it sometime and look it up. It's pretty cool, man. All the building that's going out here, like, all around where I live, it's pretty nuts. Yeah, no, I have to. I got all this free time now. Not in right. season. So, I got to got to catch some games and I think that's just been my favorite part of now being on the outside is just having the chance to watch coaches I know teams I know and just like you're watching it from a completely different perspective you're not thinking about oh I have this scout I have to do or I have this call um you can kind of just sit down and um and watch some good basketball and I've watched you guys and I can definitely say that you guys play that exciting style um if you're a shooter I don't know how you could say no so (laughs) But thanks for hopping on tonight. Um, Really appreciate it. And best of luck, and we'll be watching you guys. Sounds good, man. I appreciate you having me. All right. Take it easy. Take care.